This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. But this morning, I want to begin this new series. I'm talking about the anchor holes, and that's going to be the theme of the entire series. It's dealing with encouragement, and it's my prayer that uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God, would use this message today and these to follow to do just that, to bring encouragement to your heart and your soul. I don't like to keep reiterating the fact or relisting all of the hardships that we have encountered over the last year and plus, but our lives have been turned upside down, and there have been so many struggles, and there have been so many heartaches. There have been so many things that we cannot answer, sacrifices that we have made, life-altering things that have abruptly come upon us. And then there's the normal wear and tear of life and the stress that that takes upon us, the toll that it takes upon us as well. And I I want to spend the next few Sundays on these admonishments from the Word of God that I pray that would indeed be a blessing and an encouragement and maybe turn a perspective. Because let me tell you, as children of the Lord, even though we live in a bleak world, everything is not gloom and doom for us. There is light at the end of the tunnel for you and I, regardless of how bad we see things going on in the world today. And some of the things that are going on in society that's being forced upon us, let me tell you this, this world today is enjoying what it's being called, I think, uh, the party of 2021 22, 23, 24, I don't know, but let me tell you this, one day the party will be over. There is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And if you read the end of the book, you know that as believers, we win. So it's not all about gloom and doom. And I pray these messages would encourage you. I want you to look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter six, verse number 19. The message is entitled dealing with disruptive moments in your life. And the Bible says this, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. The message series again is the anchor holes. Most of you in the course of your lifetime, you've had an opportunity at some point or another to be uh, on a ship or on a boat. You've gone fishing with a loved one. You've gone fishing by yourselves. At some point or another, perhaps the majority of us in here today, we've been on a boat. And uh, if you have spent time fishing or you have pulled into a little cove and you have enjoyed a little swimming hole, one thing that you've done prior to all of the entertainment, was that you've dropped your anchor. That anchor goes down until it reaches the bottom of the lake, the bottom of the creek, or in big ship status, uh, until it reaches a place where a big ship can indeed drop an anchor. 
Most of you are very familiar with that. You know how that works. You know how that operates. But this series will change your entire perspective because as believers, we do not drop an anchor down, down, down. In fact, we as believers, we cast our anchor up. And I want you to think about that. As a believer, your soul will never, ever go down, down, down. But as a believer, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your soul will go oh, up, up, and up. So we don't cast our anchor down. We cast our anchor up. When we cast our anchor up, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Now, I want you to look at Nahum chapter 1. And we're also going to the book of Psalms in just a moment. In fact, the majority of the messages in this particular series is going to come from the book of Psalms. But this morning, I want you to see something in Nahum chapter 1 and verse number 7. And I want you to look at the first four words that underline them in your Bible. The word says, the Lord is good. Not that he used to be good or that he was good. The word says, the Lord is good. We're dealing with disruptive moments in this series, and I want you to see this. Let me ask you the question. Have you ever known God in your personal life not to be good? Have you ever known his mercies not to be fresh and new each and every morning? I believe this should be the light that shines on our hearts every single day, these four words, that no matter what happens, no matter what life brings to us, no matter what we encounter, the Lord is good. In spite of it all, in fact, the psalmist reflected on this as well. Hold your place here in Nahum chapter 1, but I want you to turn back quickly, if you can, to Psalms 107, and I want to read for you verses 1 through 2. Again, they'll get the scriptures up for you, but I'll just love to hear those pages turn. That's like a sweet honeycomb to me. And I, I hear them turning now. God bless you for it. But in Psalms 107, verse 1 and 2, let me give you the scripture. It reflects Nahum chapter 1. The psalmist says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For he is good. Look at that. For his mercy endureth forever. And then verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means testify of his goodness. Has the Lord been good to you? Then testify of it. The word says this, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Verse 2 encourages every believer to declare the goodness of God. And I think it ought to be a priority in all of our lives to share Jesus and his goodness with others as we have opportunity to do that. 
In the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse number 10, the Bible says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And sharing Christ is certainly an opportunity to do good. But go back to the book of Nahum just for a moment, and I want you to see the next part of this verse. In Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, the second part of this verse, it says, A stronghold in the day of trouble. The Lord is good and a stronghold in a day of trouble or in the day of trouble. Yet, let me tell you, I believe there are times in our life, if we're going to be truthful, if we're going to be honest, there are times in our life, certain periods of times when things have disrupted our life, the normalcies of life, there are times in our life when we don't think that he's been good. Because if God was good, why would he allow something so horrible, so painful, so horrific to come into our life? We question him. And when we are asked to sing, we stand and sing when we're asked to sing, it is well with my soul. We kind of hang our head down and fold our arms maybe and say, no, it's not. Maybe sometimes when we're asked to stand and sing the song, heaven came down and glory filled my soul, we hang our heads down and say, there's no joy in my heart today. Or maybe when we're asked to stand and sing victory in Jesus, we kind of hang our heads and say, there's no victory in my life today. Let me remind you of something, that trouble is not a stranger in any of our lives. In fact, most of our lives is spent with some kind of disruptive moment, some type of turmoil, some type of stress. I mean, when you stop and think about what we deal with just about every single day of our life, here's the thing that I want you to understand. We have stress, we have turmoil, we have disruptive moments on our jobs. We have disruptive moments with our health. We have disruptive moments in our family, in our finances, with our friends. We have disruptive moments. We have troubles and trials with people who have done us wrong. We have disruptive moments when we come to the area of trust and patience. We have disruptive moments in our relationship with God. We have disruptive moments when the, when the devil comes to assail us and to attack us. So when you put all of that together, most of our life is dealing with stress and turmoil and havoc of some sort. I mean, there are not too many days where we don't have that. It happens to everybody, even lost people. That's why the word of God says that it rains on the, on the lost, the just, and the unjust. Even when people have troubles, let me tell you something. We are forced, lost people, when lost people have troubles, they're forced to turn to something just like we should be forced to turn to God, but they're forced to some artificial temporary pleasure of the flesh. But when God's people have this kind of turmoil coming into their life, every single one of us who claim to be a child of God, we should turn to the word. I was reading an interview the other day about a husband and wife who has a television reality show that when the first series of that show came on the air, 
it was portrayed that this particular husband and wife was a Christian family and they were raising their family to love and serve the Lord. Recently, I read an article, this is many years later, and in this particular interview, they said, we no longer refer to the Bible. So let me remind you of something. When you turn to the Bible, you're putting yourself in a position to hear from God. When you pray, you talk to God. When you read the word, he talks to you. So don't ever get to the place where you feel like you don't need the word. How often do you read the word? Are you in the word every day? You need to be at some point of the day. In fact, there's a clear scripture on that very thing. I believe a scripture that seems to say that when disruptive moments come into our life, there's a passage of scripture, and this will soothe your soul. Whenever you feel like that all of a sudden, out of nowhere perhaps, or maybe you feel like it's just one thing after another, you feel like that your life is constantly turned upside down, and you're dealing with family issues, you're dealing with financial issues, you're dealing with health issues, and, and you're just wanting one of those Calgon moments to take you away, and it's not happening. It's not working. There is a verse of scripture in the Bible that can calm your spirit and reassure you of some things. Precious truth in God's word. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12. So when you feel like the world is ganging up on you and you're turned upside down, you don't know which way to go. Your, your mind, you feel like you're not able to make clear decisions in your mind and certainly from your heart. There are two different things. But let me give you this passage of scripture because this will calm your spirit. This will help you to feel like that you're not all by yourself and all alone. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Sometimes when trouble comes our way, we begin to panic. We hit the panic button all of a sudden. We say, oh no, God, why me? Why now? Why this? But the word, the Holy Spirit speaks through the word and says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. In other words, listen, when your world is turned upside down, don't panic. The word of God says it's going to happen. Don't think that it's a strange thing happening to you. The word says it's going to happen concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You're going to have disruptive moments. You're going to have stress. You're going to have storms. You're going to have troubles and trials. Disruptive moments, listen carefully, are something that while we are on this earth, we will always have. None of us like trouble. None of us like problems that are over our heads where we've, where we've got ourselves in a situation where we don't know what we're going to do. And the people you talk to don't know what the, you're going to do. Have you ever been in that place? I mean, when you don't know what to do and nobody else knows what to do and you're hitting the panic button and it's, it's just going bizarre and you're saying, God, are you listening? I mean, there are times in your life when nobody, you have a problem going on and nobody knows what to do about it from an earthly perspective. Sometimes things like that happen and we can't escape it. Trouble has a way of finding us. And when trouble finds you, 
and stress comes your way and you're overwhelmed with a disruptive moment, let me assure you of something. Stress and these kind of situations, when it catches up with you, it does not come to you empty-handed. Stress is not going to come to you with empty hands trying to figure out ways to try your faith. When stress and disruptive moments come your way, I guarantee you it already knows what to do. Without question, it brings us to overwhelming panic and fears and emotions in our lives. Stress and overwhelming disruptive moments can bring us to our knees. It can shred our nerves. It can invade our peace. It can take our minds captive. It can break our hearts and it can shatter our dreams. I want you to think with me this morning because I really do want to be a blessing. I want to be an encouragement to you. I want to be able to preach or teach a message today that will lift your heart to encouragement. Because here's the thing. Things are not always bad. Sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are well. In fact, the scripture says this, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So whenever you do wake up in the morning with some joy, or you wake up in the morning with some joy and you move forward and then the day just seems to be getting better and at noon the day is still joyful and it just seems to keep getting better and things are good and joyful in the evening and things are good and well and happy when you lay your head down on the pillow. Don't take that for granted. Stop and take time. Thank God for the joy in the morning. Thank God for the joy in the noon. Thank God for the joy in the evening. Things are not always bad. Somebody say, Amen. Praise God for every good thing that comes into your life. Because just around the next curve, something could take your breath and steal your joy. Here's something that I want you to reflect on just for a moment. Because you might say, preacher, this message has my name all over it. Well, believe me, I'm not preaching this message with your name or your face or your situation in perspective, but I know there are people watching today that are overwhelmed and you have been overwhelmed to the max. If I were to open up the service today and give you an opportunity to testify, maybe somebody would say, Pastor, you just have no idea what I've been going through. I mean, let's just put all of the other things that we could name aside just for a moment and say this, every single one of us to some degree has been dealing with the element of the emotion of fear to some degree in the last year. All of us have. And the Bible clearly teaches us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but we cannot deny it. It's been part of our everyday life. I mean, you think about it, we're wearing masks now, and I appreciate you doing that, I really do. But think about how many times uh, have you gone somewhere and and you've, you've been doing your natural routine and getting away from people and how many times are you squirting the lotion on your hands i mean we've we've all done that there there are people that has their utility room stocked from the floor to the ceiling with toilet paper (laughs) think about the fears that we all have been living with to some degree So I want you to understand this. 
It's a natural part of life. And I know I'm speaking to people today that are dealing with some type of fear and stress and turmoil going on in your life. But what I want to share with you real quickly here is that even people in the Bible had life-changing problems, situations that their life would never, ever be the same again. Disruptive moments that changed everything. It was a painful disruption when Jehoshaphat, the mother of Moses, had to put him in a makeshift cradle and send him out in the bulrushes. I promise you that was done in the spirit of fear. It was a terrible disruption in Naomi's life when her husband, Emelech, suddenly died. It was a terrible disruption in the life of David when he could no longer drink from the water in the wells of Bethlehem. It was a terrible disruption in Jeremiah's life when he was thrown into prison. It was a terrible disruption in the life of John the Baptist when he was arrested for preaching the gospel. It was a terrible disruption in the life of the apostle Paul when God permitted the thorn to remain where God said, I am not going to take it. In fact, I would like for us to look at this a little closer today, and I don't know that I'm going to have time to finish this message. It certainly was my intent to go through all of it today, but we may have to pick up with some of it next Sunday. But I want you to turn your Bibles quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, because here's the thing. When you look at Paul's life and and the stress factor that he had going on within his life, And he had prayed three times for God to remove the thorn and God said, I'm not going to do it. Let me show you something today. I want you to look at this more closely because Paul's response to what God said had a huge impact on the rest of his ministry. And how we respond to disruptive moments will have a significant impact on how we deal with disruptive moments in the future of our life. It's very important. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. He said, I'm not going to remove it, Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I don't know that there are too many of us that can respond to the disruptions in life quite like the Apostle Paul. I know a lot of people who think they would respond with integrity and actions and words that would be pleasing to the Lord. But the truth of the matter is most of the time when life goes sour for us and things get out of sort and we're turned upside down and exclusively predominantly, mainly when our health takes a major major turn south. Most of the time, at first, we either get mad or we lash out in anger or we lose the grip on our faith or we begin to question God or we begin to doubt God. We take it out on our families. We get out of church. We swell up with pride. You'd be surprised of the things that happen to us spiritually when our life turns upside down physically, it's amazing. We have a tendency to say, why me, God? Why now? 
Most of the time, our response to disruptions in our life embarrasses the Lord and puts a tarnish on our testimony. One of the things that I'd encourage you to do whenever disruptions come your way is to do this, is to look for the providential hand of God. As I said just a minute ago, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's not always bad. And when these disruptive moments come, listen, don't do what your flesh is tempted to do. You remember that old song? Many times Satan whispers, there's no need to try. How many times have we been in a peculiar situation and the whisper of the devil comes and he begins to whisper things to our heart and to our mind? We know what the Bible says. We have a Bible. We know what the word says, but we're tempted to murmur. We're tempted to complain. Let me encourage you to think about something today. In in those peculiar times of your life, has there ever been a time that you can say with all truthfulness that there has been a time in my life, preacher, when I have not always found God's hand to be almighty? Who can say that? God's hand has always been almighty. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Has there ever been a time since the beginning of Scripture? I don't have much to go on before that. This is all we have. But has there ever been a time when the winds and the sea has not obeyed his voice? Has there ever been a time from Genesis to Revelation, where the devil has been greater than God. So let me encourage you this morning, no matter how bad it gets, God's hand is still almighty. God is still in control. The wind and the sea still obeys his voice. There has never been a time that the devil has been greater than God. So let me encourage you today, when it comes to your storms and your trouble and your disruptive moments, remember this, that everything that happens to us as a believer has first already passed through the hands of God. The scripture says this in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Now, let me give you something real quick that will help you. And I've got to go very fast if I'm going to complete this. The first thing you do in a disruptive moment, when your life is turned upside down, you don't know what to do and people you're talking to don't know what to do. Here's the thing. Recognize the purpose of the disruption. Paul did that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7, notice this. This is why God did not take the thorn away. Have you ever wondered that? The great apostle Paul, why did God leave the thorn in his flesh? Why didn't he take it away? Here's the reason. Here's the answer right here in verse number 7. Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure. So Paul was quick to conclude within himself that this disruption in his life was to protect him from the sin of pride. Pride's a terrible sin. In fact, pride almost caused Naaman to be a leper for the rest of his life. 
Try your best when your life is turned upside down to remember this great biblical truth. For the believer at the heart of all of our suffering is the refiner's fire. As God refines us, he is purifying the gold of our godly character. In fact, 1 Peter 1, 7 says this, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So remember, God has a purpose with the disruptive moments in our life. He has a purpose with it. Perhaps it's to teach us a lesson. Maybe it's to slow us down a little bit. Maybe to prepare us for a greater storm coming around the corner. Or maybe he's allowing us to go through this because he knows that somebody that we're close to is going to go through something greater than that. And God can use our trouble, our trial, our disruptive moment to help somebody we love, who we're dear to, who we're friendly to right around the corner. Never forget there is a purpose. Number two, God has provisions for our disruptive moment. Aren't you glad of this? That when these things come into our life and we're, we're so clouded in mind and, and spirit and, and our, it's taken a toll on our body and we have besought the Lord Three times, like Paul, and four and five and six times. We haven't, we haven't finished. We, we've, we're living, we're camping. Maybe you're like Jacob. Maybe you're saying, I'm going to grab a hold to the horns of heaven, Father, and I'm not going to let it go until you bless me. And you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing seems to happen. Nothing seems to change. Nothing seems to be working. We have to keep this in mind. God has a purpose for that. Aren't you glad he didn't say when those times come? Aren't you glad you didn't hear a still small voice that just said this? Just deal with it. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that, at the end of sorrow and crying and trouble and pain, if all we had left was Jesus, and we cried our thirsty soul out to him to where we couldn't shed another tear. Aren't you glad he doesn't say, just deal with it? God has provisions for our disruptive moment. In verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We have to keep in mind as we read this scripture that Paul did not receive painful, disruptive moments in his life any better than we do. He was a man. He had physical emotions just like we have. He wanted these problems to be over and done with just as quick as we want them to be over and done with. None of us look forward to it. But God has arranged for us not to be, for whatever his purpose and whatever his reason is, God has arranged for us not to be too comfortable in life. Because if we ever got too comfortable, maybe we would not want to pick up the cross and follow him. If we ever got too comfortable, maybe we would not want to have anything at all to do with this being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, enduring hardness as a good soldier, 
Maybe if life was always comfortable, maybe we would not want to live by and walk by faith. Paul didn't like what was happening any more than we do when it comes our way. He wanted it to be done. He wanted it to be gone. He wanted it to be over and behind him. He prayed earnestly about it. God said, no. God said, I'm not going to remove the thorn. He said, but I'm going to do something else. I'm going to give you every ounce of grace that you need to continue on in my work. And so listen today, God's given us grace. Grace has not run dry. Grace is still abundant. I remember years ago when we were singing pretty much every week. I remember the lady who said to me at the end of the concert, she, she said, I, I'm scared to death at the mere thought of dying. And I thought about that just for a little bit. I don't remember the song we closed with. But as I pondered that thought just for a minute, this is what I said. I said, ma'am, the reason why you're scared to die is because God has not given you right now dying grace. He's given you grace to live. But when it's your time to step inside of Chile, Jordan, and it's your appointed time, as God gave you grace to live, God will give you grace to die. You will not have to cross Jordan alone. God, he works in our life in, in critical ways. Now, let me give you number three real quickly here, and I'm over, and I'm going through this as fast as I can. And that is not to lose the perspective as believers when disruptions come. Disruptions, when they come our way, can only bring about three things. If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. Number one, we can all get angry at God, and we can get angry at everyone and everything around us, number one. We, only be, we basically only have three choices. Number two, we can lose our will to continue on in the faith. We can quit on God. We can quit on the church. We can quit on prayer, and we can quit reading our Bible. That's a choice. Or number three, when things come your way and turn your world upside down, you can depend on God to help you endure it and to learn from it. And so please get this biblical truth. Whenever disruptions come our way, we've got to be willing to continue on with God in spite of it all. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Now let me close real quickly by giving you four incredible principles I believe that will help govern your life when painful disruptions come your way. Number one, disruptive moments are really divine appointments. Keep this in mind. Please, please, if you don't get anything else out of the message today, get this one spiritual truth right here. Please, please get this and understand it. God is not experimenting with your life. He's not experimenting with your life. 
Disruptive moments are really divine appointments. Joseph was thrown in the pit or the prison. Job was afflicted by Satan. Paul had disruptions in his body. Never forget that in every circumstance, God is in control. Number two, spiritual progress without disruption is not usually possible. We'll never grow in grace without disruption. If you never had a disruption in your life, you would never leave the milk of God's word. That's where you would stay. You would remain a babe in Christ forever. But the reason why you're able to go on to the meat of God's word is because you're growing in grace and you cannot grow without a trouble or trial or stress or disruption. So keep that at heart. I want to give you now number three real quickly. The promise of God in our disruption is the provision of grace. He gave it to Paul. He will give it to you. Have you ever thought about this from time to time? God wants to prune our life. It's a hard thing. God's had to prune me many times. God's had to prune the ministry many times. Pruning is is an act of God's love. Number four, and I ask the musicians to come. What we learn from this thing of disruption in our life, listen, depends on how we respond to it. If I ever get to the place, and, and I've been preaching here in this church for almost 41 years, this July will be 34 as the senior pastor. Seven years before that as an associate. But here's the thing I want you to know. In all of my years in the ministry, if I ever get to the place where I say that I know it all, I won't be a worth a plumb nickel to any of you. If I ever get to the place where I feel like I know it all, where I'm not approachable and I can't listen to your heart, I can't help you anymore. Because not only with me, but with you, if we ever get to the place where we feel like we have learned it all, we know it all, That's the day that our life ceases to be productive. I put myself as a sponge before the throne of God every day and I try to soak up something. I try to learn something new each and every day. So when disruptions come, we need to learn that disruptions in our life depends on how we're going to respond to it. Don't ever feel like you've got it all worked out and you've got all your ducks in a row. Here's what you do, and I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. When the stress and the fear and the toll of life comes to you like a riptide and pulls you out and you feel like you're gasping and struggling for every breath, then say this to God. Say this to the Lord. If this is what it takes to make me a person after your own heart. If this is what it takes to make me 
a person after your will, then I surrender all. Lord, I'll surrender all if you stay in the boat with me. I'll surrender, just, Lord, I'll, I'll surrender all. Just stay in the storm with me. Just stay in the valley with me. Just walk through the fiery furnace with me. Sit by the juniper tree with me. Spend the night in the lion's den with me. If it takes three nights and three days in the belly of the well, just stay with me. God, if it takes this or that, listen, if it takes me uh, just having the issues of life to where I cannot in my mind and my heart uh, go on another day, just stay with me. With me, I want to cast all my care on you if you just stay with me. And believe me, when you do that, you're not casting your anchor down, you're casting your anchor up, and you're holding on. You'll say, God, if this is what it takes, just stay with me. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.